0: 18 minutes it
1: is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Yeah, send through those voice notes on our WhatsApp line on 060 552 7303. Joining me now on the line... To make sense of the latest out in the world of grocery retail, uh, out in Kenya, and uh, also the latest coming out of RCL. Uh, the guys who give us uh, Salati, who give us uh, Rainbow Chicken, who give us Nola Mayonnaise and many other things. Joined on the line by Akwana Mlamleli, uh, Portfolio Manager out at 27 for Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening and welcome.
0: Good evening to yourself, Ayabonga, and to the listeners this evening, how are you? dipili No, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me on the show this weekend.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Before we go out into the world of grocery retail, talk to me about the latest coming out of Comair. Now, I did say to our listeners, these are the people who give us Gulula, British Airways. Mm. They were in a business rescue process at some stage. Uh, It morphed into a liquidation. It's had a massive impact on uh, prices in the aviation sector. Try book a flight to anywhere, and you'll certainly Mm. know what I'm talking about. What's happening here?
0: Yeah, so um, if listeners can recall that uh, business rescue practitioners had always suspended flights um, towards the end of May. Um, and obviously, as you indicated, um, Comair um accounted for quite a big number of chunk of the, the airline industry, particularly in South Africa. So it accounted for approximately 40% of domestic aviation within the market. Um, but today, um, uh, there has been an update in terms of um Provisional so, no liquidators, particularly for Com here have obviously received um, a few letters, approximately 21 letters, um, of some interested parties um, who either want to buy the company um, or buy some of its assets uh, in terms of the claims and some of the assets that they do have um, with regards to the operations that they did have in South Africa. Um, so some of these assets will obviously include the operating licenses, uh, which were quite valuable um, asset, um, particularly for... Um, investors particularly Mm -hmm. want to buy these assets from them. Uh, But I think more importantly, um, what was indicated today, that um, a lot of the interested parties um, have have signed obviously non-disclosure agreements. So we don't know who these um, interested parties that have um, have obviously approached the liquidators or the professional liquidators um, in having interest in obviously buying a portion of the business or some of these assets.
1: Mm, mm. Now, now I was about to ask you, and I, I guess you've you've answered it to a, a large degree. Sort of, if one takes Comair out of liquidation, what in essence are you buying? And I think the issue you raise around the operating license is critical. Um, mm. And one would think, I guess, the know-how of many operators—probably um, not the airplanes, because some of that is leased, I understand. Um, but um, I mean, just the prospect of that, in your own readings, a so, so market with paper-thin margins. Um, and probably a difficult time in the aviation sector, not just here in South Africa, but across the world.
0: Yeah, so um, as I said, um, what um, interested parties would be getting if they um, were successful and approval, particularly pertaining to regulatory approval, was um, done, um, they'd obviously be buying, buying the licenses, but also um, a portion of the fleet, um, which is obviously valued at approximately 3.5 billion rand. Uh, but I think most importantly, they would obviously need to be dealing with a lot of the. A lot of the creditors um, who obviously um, are all lining up approximately um, just over 11,000 creditors and shareholders um, who are obviously lining up. to obviously see the final outcome, particularly pertaining to um, the court case, which has been postponed to the 13th of December uh, in terms of the hearing of some of these interested parties and also the process in terms of the way forward uh, pertaining to the liquidation.
1: And then, of course, I mean, just uh, that licensing agreement with British Airways. Um, I mean, how valuable would that be in the mix and in the consideration of anybody who's a potential
0: suitor here? Yeah, I think it would be quite um, very much uh, a, a great deal, particularly um, if we were able to particularly sign another agreement with BA. Because I think the Air was managing the domestic um, side of um, British Airways. Um but I think the new parties or interested parties um would obviously need to um have those discussions with the with the obviously the UK um, partnership and see how that would fare. Um as you know, as you indicated earlier on, the landscape particularly within the the African, um aviation industry has been very, become very skewed um obviously with the or very little um competitors particularly in the industry, uh would seen the likes of your slides so I say also introducing um business um, type of um, tickets, Um, obviously trying to take that um, BA market um, which has been left. Um, So um, A lot of people and a lot of companies um, obviously um, vying particularly for this, um, coming from the 21 letters of district parties, Um, but we'll have to see uh, how this um, does turn around because there is a gap in the market um, and uh, unfortunately, um, Kame has left this and we'll just need to see um, how this is going forward. Mm, mm. And then
1: Let's shift out to um, East Africa, the East African nation of Kenya. Um, elections coming up, and I guess this ballot, uh, as is often the case out in Kenya, always hotly contested. Always the fear of uh, post-election ructions and uh, unrest uh, on the back of what uh, was seen, um, you know, just uh, yeah, fifteen years ago. I think more than one thousand people died in uh, the subsequent post-election riots and clashes. Um, And it seems many in the markets, I guess, are watching this with a cautious mood. Uh, It seems mergers and acquisitions, um, any sort of investment, commercial debt and development financing, all on a halt, uh, waiting for what, I guess, policy mix arises from whoever wins this particular election. And um, as I often say when it comes to Kenya, uh, yeah, uh, the dynasty politics continues, it seems.
0: Yeah, very rightly so. So it's just actually two weeks until um, a lot of the Kenyans go to the polls, um, which is expected to decide um, on the next um, leadership. Um, so the Kenyans do go to the polls on the 9th of August, um, which will obviously shape the economic trajectory of the country and could obviously change also the policy. So we've got a number of candidates, um, such as former um, Prime Minister Raila Denga, um, 77-year-old, uh, still running for the race, um, and also current Deputy President uh, William Ruto. Um, 55 years old, who's also dying for the spot. But um, as you rightly said, um, a lot of investors are keenly watching, particularly um, the elections, um, which obviously previously have been marred by, as you rightly indicated, violence, particularly in 2007, where uh, just over 1,000 people um, died um, pertaining to ethnic um, clashes and riots. Um, But I think a lot of um, investors, um, such as your venture capitalists, um, just closely watching this in terms of the economic trajectory of the new leadership and obviously new government, which does come into power, um, particularly in mid-August or towards the end of August once the results have been um, released. Um, So investors are keenly watching this globally um, and also some um, very keenly watching um, East Africa venture capitalists, for example, have obviously even factored um, a lot of um, election transitions that have been obviously factored in um, Whilst they obviously watch um, how this particular um, elections um, do take place,
1: but also, I mean, I guess we can't run away from the fact that um, this happens at a time where there are significant tensions in the region. I mean, I think 2007, mm-hmm. um, while East Africa has always been volatile, least of all after the 1994 Rwandan, you know, uh, a genocide. Um, you know, it comes now at a time where tensions in the Horn of Africa, Sudan, Eritrea, Ethiopia. Uh, there's also, I guess, some uh, of that ongoing tensions in the, between the DRC and Rwanda. Um, I mean, what happens here if uh, we see an outcome that is not favorable um, in terms of after the elections, be it in violence and clashes, as we saw 15 years mm-hmm. ago? What does that mean for all of this pent-up uh, investment decisions and the deal-making?
0: Yes, I think it would obviously scale this of the way. Um, and obviously potential investments that could have taken place. Um, so I think a lot of um, investors will obviously shy away until there's some level of certainty um, in terms of elections, um, in terms of the results, and who obviously governs at the end of the day. Um, but I think um, on a global landscape, and as it indicated, there are various other African um, countries um, who obviously go through um, quite challenging and conflicting times. Um, where a lot of investors are just shying away at the moment because of the uncertainty. Um, Because remember, when investors come, um, economic certainty is what they want because obviously they want to return from their investments. Um, And political uncertainty um, is one thing that they very much want to get certain of, particularly when they make investments, particularly in any investment in a particular country. Um, So as you heard of, Our Mwanga Mwelu to speaking last night with regards to the energy plan and transitions that they've introduced, and indicating that um, in some of the investments have not come because of the challenges that we've had for um, over ten years. So um, this is one certainty um, politically, and also in terms of things are run properly in terms of infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I guess we're going to watch this one quite closely. Only time will tell. But uh, let's shift to the fast-moving consumer goods sector, the guys who give us Nola Mayonnaise, Salati, um, and many other products, Uh, RCL Foods, Uh, acquiring Sunshine Bakery, the guys who uh, produce the Sunbake brand. Uh, Yeah, what do you make of this? And more importantly, what it means for uh, the baking division? Uh, of rcl foods uh, or the new baking division which will include this operation uh, which has also i guess faced considerable challenges insofar as rising input costs and uh, yeah bread is probably one of those things where you kind of are watching the market a lot you can't really increase your prices or pass on some of those input cost challenges of wheat and so on uh, to the consumer
0: yeah so um, JC, um, jc listed rcl foods um, provided an update today in, in terms of they've concluded an agreement um, for the ac- acquisition of Sunshine Bakery Holdings, which is actually indirectly a majority owned by agricultural services company Agri, um, Agri, sorry. Um, so the Sunshine Bakery, um, primarily based in Cape Town, with um, operations in Peter Maldenburg and so forth, and is the South Africa's largest independent um, baking business. Um, so RTL, particularly in their news today, indicated that. Um, The acquisition, particularly, is in line with their strategy in terms of scaling up and also value-added brands, um, particularly within their portfolio. Um, And it's talked to something that they actually communicated earlier in the year when they released their interim results. Um, I think they have come from a very challenging period, and one of the highlights that they indicated earlier on this year was that they wanted to uh, review their portfolio um, and also Increase, particularly some of um, the, in- the innovations and in- in getting some innovation pipeline into some of the portfolio, um, particularly as you indicated, um, they were able to deliver brand extensions um, to new offerings, particularly the last two years, um, with MoLA um, being one of them, value may uh, being one of them. But I think they've also taken a decision um, which included separating um, the value-added um, brand fees Business um, such as your grocery and baking, um, mm. some poultry, um, just trying to obviously just bring some synergies, particularly to some of the portfolios. Um, so this is obviously a, a strategy, a two-year parties that they're currently working on. Um, in terms of the pricing, um, yes, I think we all very much know that there is a lot of challenges, particularly that the RCM and a lot, of, a lot of the food producers do face um, the challenge of high input costs. Um, that are coming into some of these numbers and probably eating into some of their the results and some of their revenues. Um, so they are keenly watching this. That's why um there's a such as LCR is very much consolidating and um, some of the um, divisions within the business and um, in terms of just aligning them and just bringing that to more focused um, in, in investment portfolio.
1: Yeah. Talk talk to me about these commodity price pressures. I mean I'm I'm thinking of, you know, vegetable oils, wheat uh, and all of those, uh, and I guess the implication that that might have for the ability to really shoulder internal selling price inflation on the part of RCL Foods if indeed the Ukraine Russia situation continues.
0: Yeah, so, um, please, just in terms of the, the baking division, um, I think yes, that will yes, very so. much be very much dependent on the agriculture and the wheat prices that are currently um, are quite exorbitant here to date. Um, so that will obviously play very much a big component into that uh, baking division of theirs, mm-hmm. um, the wheat prices there. Um, but I also think in terms of um, other businesses, they've got a logistics business um, called, um, which, they which they consolidated after um between LNA logistics and Vector logistics, which they consolidated. And they just felt that they just needed to consolidate the business and bring it more to, have, obviously, a, an alignment. Um, so, yes, agricultural commodity input costs uh, very much owing to the escalation in world prices, um, which obviously have been fueled by um, lower global um, crop estimates, um, and also a continued high demand, particularly in some of the, the crops that they obviously are unable to meet in terms of demand.
1: Mm, mm. and then let's shift to the world of retail I want us to start off with uh, yeah, the owner of Pick and Pay stores Pick and Bay Clothing, Pick and bay Liquor, Boxer Superstores Pick and Bay Group um, coming in with some numbers here for the last 18 weeks or so ending 3 July 2022 what do you make of these numbers?
0: yeah but I think let's just cast our minds to the presentation that they did in May. The- because I think it does affect some of the numbers that we are seeing today. Yes. So in the presentation that they did in May, um, at the investors' presentation, um, Pick and Pay did announce that it would be splitting its operations um, into three distinct brands to operate across the different market segments, such as your um, lower LSN middle market and obviously the higher LSM regions. Um, so um, under the what they call the Equal Semi, um, Customer Value Proposition, which is the standard Pick and Pay brand, this would be shifted to a more affluent market um, to obviously compete with the micro of Woolworths. The and then while the, the lower NSA market, such as your box of will keep its um, positioning in terms of obviously servicing um, that particular lower NSA market. And then the new brand that they obviously introduced at the presentation is made was what they renamed Project Red, um, which would obviously be launched um, particularly to the middle market in terms of that tech or trying mm. to get into that market or tap into that market. So today um, they indicated... Um, the group indicated to compare that they were actually successful um, in converting about the stores to the new Project grade format, um, with plans also to just accelerate some of those um, in the next um, in the next year or so. But just in terms of some of the numbers that we saw uh, them present um, in the morning meeting today, um, they did provide a, quite a decent update in terms of how the group has delivered in the last 18 weeks, ending the 3rd of July, 2022. Um, so the group did indicate that they... Um, had group sales of approximately 10.7%. Um, the South African division grew about 10.5%. Um, but in terms of the um, price inflation, selling price inflation, that came through at about mm. 5%, um, which is just below the CPI food um, prices of, of just 7.1%. Yeah. But um, the group obviously is making strides um, in terms of just the stores that they've launched. But I think also the opening, obviously, of the new stores. Um, such as your pick-and-pay clothing, which um, mm-hmm. which has been actually done successfully well, uh, which they've been able to open approximately 73 new um, pick-and-pay clothing mm-hmm. stores, um, which have been confirmed. You know, Akona,
1: it's interesting the comment you made uh, a bit earlier, saying, look, I mean, a big part of what might explain a lot of what they make reference to in the statement is in the presentation they gave in May on the Eguseni strategy that they've got. Mm-hmm. And I find that strategy so interesting because yesterday we were talking about Mr. Price and Mr. Price saying, you know, if more of the 350 Rand social relief of distress grant had been paid, they would have Mm. seen more. And with back pay of it, they expecting more cash sales coming through uh, in their power fashion and uh, Mr. Price offering. It seems, you know, uh, the strategy of uh, Pick and Pay is much similar here with their acquisition of Boxer. And uh, you mentioned Red earlier on, which is probably more middle market type Mm. of intervention but let's look at boxer just for a second i mean these guys are saying the less affluent category in 2021 they've made around 408 billion from that they are looking Mm. by 2026 to grow that by 142 billion rand to around 550 billion rand so really hedging a lot of their bets on being able to capture more and more of that discount retail mass market which, of course, you know, are recipients of social grants in many of uh, the places we come from. Uh, And at the moment, only having 11% of market share there. What what do you make of that strategy?
0: Yeah, I think it's very much, um, it's a clear strategy because I think we particularly go... When you're compared to um, your, the, the supermarket we'll talk to you, um, quite shortly, um, they just wanted to make a distinct differentiation of where do they want to play mm. and who do they want to target. Um, yes, they see an opportunity with the life of Boxer, which has done exceptionally well um, and continues to grow. Um, as you say, um, Emma Kaya are very much familiar with the brand, um, very much, all, some of us grew up. and. Um, uh, Obviously, shopping at Boxer. But I think it's very much um, defining a clear strategy, and they see an opportunity for this particular um, division to grow exponentially. Um, and it does have a growth to obviously grow exponentially, as you indicated, the, with the price indicating that the 350 grants did affect their numbers. Um, so they very much see an opportunity, particularly for the sector of the economy. Um, that, um, Shoprite obviously has been very much um, taken over, and mm. obviously done extremely well. And and they just want to obviously um, date some of those um, Shoprite numbers and obviously get into that market and be a competitor, particularly yeah. to that market that um, is quite viable, particularly to the South African economy.
1: Well, it seems Shoprite, uh, who put out um, some numbers here for the 52 weeks of trading. Uh, over the last year or so, uh, also looking to deepen their presence in that segment of the market. The uh, RSA Supermarkets division putting in a good showing there. And uh, yeah, what do you make of their numbers that they put out?
0: Yeah, so the share price actually, um, I think was very much receptive to the news that came out today. Um, Share price ending um, closing price up um, um, 4.7% today. Um, And as you indicated, the company did report um, some decent numbers. Um, In terms of some of the strong growth sales that they did see for the 52 weeks ending the 3rd of July, um, they saw um, sales climb 10% higher um, for the the 53 weeks um, prior to the the reporting period um, and indicating that the African market grew by 10.1%, which obviously contributes to about 80% of total sales. Um, So they indicated that they also saw some of the sales increase particularly to the life of your liquor um, shop business uh, which saw sales down to almost 45%, um, and also indicating the divisions such as UU Save, um, Checkers, um, House and Home, and OK Furniture um, also providing some decent numbers. Um, so, across the group, pricing increased by 3.9% for the year, um, which is obviously in terms of the selling price inflation, um, they were obviously able to bring that close to 5%, particularly in the second half of the year.
1: And then, I mean, just as we wrap up, uh, now, You know, when I look at the numbers, I guess, coming through from uh, ShopRite here, um, what do you make of the other operating segments? I mean, uh, these are the guys who came out, you know, in their mid-year trading statement saying, you know, their app shot the lights out, uh, their OK franchise, which was reintroduced, Transfarm, Medirite, CompuTicket, and even their catering subsector here, Checkers Food Services, uh, were certainly Mm -hmm. places where they wanted to improve and add to that the furniture operations as well. Uh, Have we seen any of that improvement coming through uh, in these numbers uh, of the uh, 52 weeks ending 3 July?
0: Yeah, so just um, touching on the furniture, um, the group did indicate that the furniture segment um, contributed about 3.7 to group sales, um, but however reported a 1.4% decline in sales for the year um, on a like-on-like sales increase basis for the 52 weeks. Um, In terms of the other divisions such as your, your OK franchises, um, that division saw an increase of approximately 7.5%. Um, so they are seeing um, some decent numbers there, but I think um, in the furniture business, I think it will be a challenge going forward um, in terms of obviously the macroeconomic environment, which we find ourselves in with increasing increasing rates and just a just tough economic environment where a lot of consumers and all of us are just having to tighten our belts in terms of what we can actually purchase um, going forward. And um, Due to the um, high inflation environment Mm. that we currently find ourselves in, but I think the group has been successful, um, having opened approximately 127 new stores. um, They currently um, reside and sit on about total of about 2,456 stores, um, which is obviously quite impressive. um, Which is something that uh, Pick and Pay would obviously want to tap into, and obviously they doing that. They put a strategy forward, and we'll just have to see um, how it plays out.
1: Akona, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you very
1: much for having me. Akona Lili Portfolio Manager, 27 for Investment
0: Managers, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories.